You're listening to episode four of Curtis and Otis, followed shortly thereafter by a handful of feathers. Listeners, welcome back to the story of Curtis and Otis. Episode four, followed shortly thereafter by a handful of feathers. Last time, we watched as our hero, Curtis Yardbird, deep behind enemy lines. And disguised as the distinguished Sir Wyndham, a modern-day English knight. Ventures to Augusta's rehearsal, under Otis's directive to... Uh, what was it? Embarrass her. Crush her confidence. Make her feel like Just like she made me feel. Tell her she's got no talent, impossible to work with, and a dopey, cliche, beauty mark. Hit her where it hurts. In a legal, legal. Yep, that's it. And here we are, in the outdoor courtyard lobby of the playhouse, where Augusta has just led Curtis. They're alone. She leads him to the fountain at the center of the courtyard, and they sit on the ledge. She, with some difficulty... On account of a pregnant belly. So, I didn't know there were any knights in Bakersfield. Nor did I. But here I am. (laughs) Oh, yes, there are a few of us blue bloods living stateside these days. Okay, I know why this is weird. You're wondering if you should sign me considering the baby, and the thing is, you don't need to worry, okay? Ah, Um, yes, there is a baby coming out at some point. I see that. I already have someone lined up to watch her, so I won't even take a maternity leave. You'll see. Oh, yes, of course, the father. No, not the father. Not the father. Just, just don't worry about it, okay? So how do I sign up? Sign up? Yeah, how do I get you to be my agent? Ah, yes, um, let's get right to it. Uh, Ms. Augusta. After observing your rehearsal of the taming of the, uh, the play, I would like to offer you a shot at my rooster. Uh, roster. A slot on my rooster. Uh, a slot on my roster. A client roster. <laughs> I'd love a slot on your rooster. Oh, wonderful. Um, he pulls out a tightly folded cheat sheet and fumbles to straighten it out. Good, then... Okay, uh, let's get through some dull nincompoop. Poopery. <laughs> you know, the uh, fine print. Okay. Uh, you agree to let me uh, be your agent, and I agree to be the same for you. Uh, agent, that means. And you will pay the $5,000 getting started fee. Um, uh, up front, today, that is, in c- cash. For administrative purposes, of course. And um, just sign here. He shoves the paper at her. His hand is shaking. $5,000? Well... Did you maybe mean $500? Yes. Ah, that makes a lot more sense. Can I borrow your pen? It most, it's mostly to cover administrative costs, you know, like all the paperwork and the photographs and ch- chicken dinners. and That goes right to our office expenses. There, signed. She pulls out a wad of cash from her purse and counts out $500 right there in front of him. Here you go. Just like that? Uh, Are you sure? Oh, yes. 
I'm determined to keep acting, even after the baby comes. I need you to help me do that. You need me? Yeah. Me and baby. We both need you. I will take that responsibility to heart. We better get back to rehearsal. Don't you think so, widow baby kids? Yes, of course. Oh, Sir Wyndham, would you come back tomorrow? We could talk about the roles I'm right for. Certainly. Bye. Bye. Curtis watches her go. He straightens out his tie, takes a breath, and gets up to leave. But what he doesn't know is that Chippy watched the whole scene and follows him home. When Curtis gets home that night, Otis is eager to find out how things went at the theater. Hey, Curtsy, you sweet talker. How'd it go, huh? Tell me everything. Well, uh, it, it went good. Did you meet her after? Yeah, yeah, I met her. And did you get her money back? You nibbed that? Oh, sure did. Let's see, I got some of it back. Some? Right here. Curtis tosses the bills onto the sofa. Otis lunges for them and counts frantically. A bit overexcited, that one. This is only 500. Where's the rest of the crackers? In her purse, let's see. I saw it all. She's, she's got it all right there. Well, what happened? Why didn't you grab it? I... I couldn't. It wouldn't have been right in the circumstances. All right. Okay. I'm not disappointed in you, buddy. It's okay. But we got more work to do. Yeah, I'm going back tomorrow. Good. Good. So how'd you have this? She gave it to me. Gave it to you? <laughs> what was the look on her face? Was she pissed? Did she piss her old Shakespeare skirt? She looked happy. Happy? Yeah, it was easy. Like you said, she's... She's happy to have an agent. So she thinks you're her agent? Ha! I am her agent. Ha! You're serious? Of course I'm serious. She paid me the money, now I, I gotta be her agent. I'm going back tomorrow to get some ideas about her casting. Otis jumps from the sofa and looks Curtis in the eye, suspicious. Then he looks down at Curtis's wrist. It's bare. Where's the watch I lent you? Oh. Must have come off. I'll, I'll find it tomorrow. Hey, you got a different tie? Change things up a little bit? Yeah. I got another tie. I have a bow tie. Thanks. Curtis begins to lay out his outfit for the next day. Otis watches, his eyes narrowed. Did you spot an opportunity to embarrass her? Don't worry about that, Otis. I got it all covered. Covered, huh? I got it all covered. I'm knackered. See you in the morning, notes. Things are starting to look a bit tense for these two bachelor buds. And to make matters worse, Chippy has followed Curtis home and seen that he lives in a garage. No place for a night to be staying. The next day, Augusta prepares to go to rehearsal. She showers, she dresses. Wait, hold on a second now, hold on. What? If our audience could see anything, if they could see her now, instead of just listening, they'd see a woman getting dressed that has no baby on board. Huh? She's not pregnant, and she don't even have a beauty mark either. Aha! Augusta's secret revealed. She 
is not pregnant. Not even a little bit. And she don't even have a beauty mark. Well, we already knew that, Nigel. We did? Oh, I forgot. What a liar! Augusta walks over to the sofa and picks up a ratty old pillow. She notices some feathers poking out. Baby, you're shedding. She plucks the feathers out of the pillow, letting them slowly drift down to the floor where they settle, forgotten. Using a medical bandage, this con artist wraps the pillow onto a belly and tests it to make sure it looks right. On top of it goes a big old pregnancy dress. She looks at herself in the mirror to make sure the proportions are right. Everyone is so much dumber when you're pregnant. On a bulletin board hanging nearby, various postcards are pinned up, collage-like, surrounding a black and white headshot of a beautiful woman with a beauty mark just above her lip. The name on the headshot reads Beverly Mills. In the mirror, Augusta applies makeup, carefully drawing on a beauty mark, using the headshot of Beverly Mills as a reference. Perfect. Not far from the headshot, and also pinned on the corkboard, is Otis's Ziploc baggie, which still contains the winning ticket and accompanying paperwork. She never sent it in to collect the winnings. And nearby, on a desk, sits Otis's watch. Faith! Augusta's preparation for the day is complete. We're going to win ourselves a night, Widow Babykins. Oh, she's a witch. Try not to judge, Nigel. Every human being is a complicated and nuanced speck of awareness on this great spinning ball of a planet careening through the universe. Ah, okay, okay, back to the story. Back to the story, then. Moved, in good time, let him that moved you hither remove you hence. I knew you at the first you were immovable. Why, what's immovable? A joined stool. Thou hast hit it? Come, sit on me. Asses are made to bear, and so are you. Women are made to bear, and so are you. At the theater, Augusta and her co-star, Charlie, rehearse on stage while Mr. Allen and Edie watch from the audience. She's still holding the script. But Charlie is off book. That is, he's memorized all his lines. No, no such jade as you, if me you mean. Alas, good Kate, I will not burden thee. Augusta, that's not your line. That is Charlie's line. Oh. It's fine. Go back, take it again. Kinda makes you wish you'd cast a capable actress, doesn't it? Edie, just don't. Women are made to bear, and so are you. No such jade as you, if me you mean. Alas, good Kate, I would not burden That's thee. That's my line, Augusta. Oh, wait. This makes more sense if it's my line. Mr. Allen, wouldn't it make more sense if I said this line? No! No, that's not, that would, that would not make sense. That's not how Shakespeare wrote it. Well, maybe it needs to be fixed. Why would you be talking to yourself in this scene? It makes no sense. It makes sense. She's talking to herself. My God. No way. No way. I am not doing this. You are bastardizing Shakespeare. Mr. Allen. Uh, no. No, we are not going to change dialogue that the greatest playwright in history wrote. Everyone, that's enough for today. Go home. See you tomorrow for your costume fitting. Why? Why? <laughs> I told you. Edie. Frustrated, Mr. Allen gathers his belongings and leaves the theater. Chippy follows him. Augusta and Charlie continue arguing on stage while Edie picks up her backpack. 
I really think it makes more sense if I say the line. That makes no sense. Do you even know what this means? Excuse me? Of course I know what it means. I don't think you do. Shaking her head, Edie strides up the theater aisle and toward the lobby. Edie enters the lobby and instantly feels suspicious. I can't just change the lines. It's Shakespeare. You don't do that. Do you know how stupid it would sound if we give her that... Mr. Allen suddenly doubles over in pain, clutching his stomach and sinking to the ground. Mitzi rushes down the hallway, away from the action. Scaredy cat. Okay. Okay, we'll change it. Augusta gets the lines. Mr. Allen! Edie rushes toward the crumpled Mr. Allen. Just then, Chippy comes into view. He looks at Edie, buttons his jacket, and strides past her down the hallway. Mr. Allen, are you okay? Did he punch you? Is this why you gave her the lead? No, 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 Edie, please. Just just leave. He's a bully. Edie stares after Chippy, her eyes narrowed. I have a no-tolerance policy towards bullies. I'll be fine, Edie. Did you see where Mitzi went? Edie. Edie. Don't. Too late. She's already followed him to the parking lot. Edie bursts out the stage door to find Chippy in the parking lot. He's leaning against his car, reading over his magazine, calm. She looks pissed. She drops her bag and stomps over to him. Hey, yeah, you, I'm talking to you. Chippy looks at her, lowering his magazine. Who do you think you are? Coming in here, beating up my director in our theater, huh? Hey, lady, look. Do you know how hard I worked for that part? I did all my research. I coached. I know the history of this play. And then you come in here with your ridiculous suit and your pregnant, no-talent actress, and you just take my part? Go back inside. I'm not finished! You may have won this time, but I am watching you. I'm on to you. You're a bully. An ignorant, uneducated, unsophisticated, unremarkable, unfair bully! She smacks the magazine out of his hand. It hits the pavement, finally unfurling to reveal the title. Creative Writing Magazine! Ah, a covert creative! He quickly stoops to pick up the magazine, stuffing it into his jacket. I'm just doing my job. Don't think that. (sighs) Nostrils flaring. Edie whips around, then marches away from the parking lot, snatching up her bag as she goes. Chippy watches. Meanwhile, back inside the theater, Augusta packs up her belongings, still smarting from her argument with Charlie. The other actors have left. Curtis approaches the stage. Uh, hello? Oh, hi. Did you see all that? Indeed I did. I don't get it. They're all so uptight about saying each line perfectly, like it's set in stone or something. They're Shakespeare toadies. Yeah. So, I was wondering, will you be bringing your wife to the show? I haven't got a wife. I see. And you? Will you bring the father of the, um, this little rascal? He gestures to her belly. Well, naturally, he's curious. No way. He's just another cheater pretending to be someone he wasn't. That sounds like me. Perhaps you and I could match. What the devil? Ah, it was Mitzi the cat. She's walking on the piano. Who said anything about the piano? Nigel, it's a community theatre. Every community theatre has a creaky old upright piano tucked away somewhere. Oh, right. I don't think we could match, Sir Wyndham. You're not a scoundrel. You're 
Good. I know. I'm a dullard. <laughs> no. We could never match because, well... Mitzi, help me out. Thanks. Here we go. If you were a scoundrel, if you were a cheat, our prospects for love couldn't be beat. A well-thought-out scam is like a good joke. One minute you're laughing, the next you're broke. Flowers and chocolates, I'll string you along. If I learn the shell game, now you're singing my song. Skim me, scam me, trick me, flim flam me, prank me, cook me, swindle me, hook me. I dare you to steal my heart. You think I'm angelic, but I'm much more dodgy. Don't cry to Michael when I lift your watchy. Honey, darling, sugar, dear. All I am is a profiteer. Show me the wall and I'll show you my eyes. Pull out the rug, I'll cherish your lies. Hoodwink, bamboozle, foil, evade. You'll believe every escapade. There's nothing I admire above a good con. Don't look now, sweetheart, your money's all gone. You got an investment, I'll put in my best mint. My Ponzi scheme is your lover's dream. Pinch me, moon me, monkey shine, prune me, push me, pull me, daze me, cajole me. I dare you to steal my heart. Master the art of sleight of hand And baby I'm yours with my head in the sand Pinch me, moon me, monkey shine, prune me Push me, pull me, daze me, cajole me Fraud me, cheat me, ring me, defeat me Bait me, switch me, rob me, derich me I dare you to steal my heart oh, I love romance their song concluded, Curtis and Augusta embrace. He leans down and kisses her. It seems heavenly, until... The pillow! The pillow baby has fallen onto the stage! Followed shortly thereafter by a handful of feathers. <laughs> Tune in next time to the story of Curtis and Otis. The story of Curtis and Otis was created by Alison Volk and recorded at Seven Even Studios in Signal Hill, California, where you'll spend up to a third of your life sitting in traffic. That's a fact. For a full cast and crew list, please see the show notes. Until next time, listeners. <laughs>